Hello and welcome to the June 22nd, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe, and it is awesome to have everybody here with me today. And, of course, it feels great to be there with you as well. It's been a few days, got a a lot of stuff to update you on. Uh, I am planning to make this a relatively, um, I don't want to say short podcast, but one that that is not long and drawn out and goes on for an hour because sometimes I have the tendency to talk a lot and I appreciate your emails and and many of you have commented on the length of my podcast that it keeps you occupied and um, you enjoy listening to me but I would imagine there are some of you that turn around and say oh good god a 50 minute one a 60 minute one I mean so I'll do my best to keep this one within the time constraints of allowing you to go on with your day um and maybe if you're taking a 40, uh, you know, 35-minute car ride, we'll get things over and done with before that car ride ends. But guess what? We're already, <laughs> we're already um, going into your time now. So um, I'm going to stick with one particular topic this time around. And of course, while I always have a tendency to touch on bipolar disorder, the bulk of this podcast will probably be centered around addiction to substances, possibly some alcohol conversation. By the way, I got another phone call from my mother last night after several weeks of not speaking with her. And once again, unfortunately, she was extremely uh, intoxicated. She claims within the first sentence that she was actually not drunk, that she instead smoked a joint, which again, I don't know how that makes it any better, but it was clear that she was just using something that she was hoping that I would ex- uh, I would accept to be or be more acceptable than being intoxicated. But there's no way a person sounds like that from just smoking a joint. So, got an intoxicated message. We might get into that on another podcast. Uh, but I just want to let you know that you know the intoxication, the alcohol abuse continues with my mother and father and. I have not had contact with them in quite some time, and I have no intentions of having contact unless they get the help that they need. So, again, for the purposes of sticking with the topic at hand, I think it is important, first and foremost, to talk about this medication-assisted treatment for substance abuse, in particular opiates and heroin. And as you all know, I've been on Suboxone for a period of about, of about three years I was also on Suboxone from the uh, years of 2009 to the years of 2012. And if you go back to Suboxone 101, you will hear a very in-depth story about my withdrawal symptoms from the Suboxone. The symptoms lasted 188 days in total, and that's about as long as it took me to actually feel somewhat normal again. Uh, It took about three years off of the Suboxone, And like a complete moron, I went back on. 
And I went back on for good reasons. I went back on because I had cravings for drugs. I was, I was searching through cabinets. I would have probably taken any kind of opiate that came my way, any kind of pain reliever. Uh, I had, and, and again, if you don't believe in God, uh, please don't take any offense to this, but I believe I had God on my side, or at least looking over my shoulder and saying to me, you know, you know or at least removing those drugs from my ability to grab them, because never once was I able to find them rummaging through my in-laws' cabinets, um, several calls to my cocaine dealer of ones that had never come through. So I was unsuccessful in all of my attempts to obtain drugs. Now remember, I was still smoking marijuana at this time. Uh, and the cravings had returned for uh, drugs after a period of three years. And most definitely, or probably because I was completely unmedicated for my bipolar disorder. I had been somewhat stable, although really not. I, I, I brag about my stability for the three years in between the Suboxone stints when in actuality I was an animal. I was a complete animal. And at the time you don't know it. Uh, and it took me until the year of 2018, January, to realize that I need to be medicated. But before I went on my second Suboxone uh, treatment, I was searching for drugs, and clearly because I was attempting to self-medicate and address my bipolar symptoms. And for what it's worth, it did actually work for three years up until January of 2018, or a few months at least before that discovery that I came upon, which now to this day I still take my medication, and I am in complete agreement with the doctor's diagnosis, and I fully understand that I am bipolar, if not schizoaffective. Um, but interestingly enough with Suboxone, it is a drug that allows one to come off an opiate or come off heroin and ease the withdrawals. So, and the way it works is very interesting because you cannot take it until, you cannot take the Suboxone until you actually start withdrawing. So once you're in the midst of that withdrawal, not full-fledged, but towards the you know beginning of that withdrawal, that's when you dose with the Suboxone. And it kind of makes you feel normal right away. It makes you feel absolutely normal. And then you can go on to live a life of productive, a productive life and hopefully a, uh, one that allows you to work and support your family and be clean from drugs. The interesting thing about Suboxone is, again, it's intended for opiates, for heroin abuse, um, but for me, it actually had multiple effects. It helped me with alcohol, it helped me with cocaine, and it helped me with the opiates. It prevented me from wanting to do any of the above. So it was a very important drug for me, and I had decided to go back on it because for a period of a year, maybe about nine months before the second Suboxone stint, again, I was searching for drugs, and I was unsuccessful in my attempts to do so. And it became evident to me that I needed to dip into the old prescription that I had had. I knew that it was going to run out at some point in time. And I knew that I was either going to stop and withdraw again, which probably would have been 
um, the better way to go and then quickly discover that I did have bipolar disorder. But whatever, we can't go back. Everything happens for a reason. And ultimately, I went and spent thousands of dollars to meet with Suboxone doctors to continue to take the Suboxone. And ultimately... Uh, stayed on it for a period of three years. I, I stashed quite a bit away. I told them that I was taking a much larger amount than I was. And I was able to stash away about six boxes of Suboxone with 30 strips in it each. What that allowed me to do was wean down this time around in a way that I was not able to do so last time. On the last time I was under the care of a... Um, of an inpatient or an outpatient treatment center. I was being monitored by a child protective agency. Uh, I was going through family court situation with my ex-wife or I had just finished it. I had a, I had a, a doctor or, or, or a child protective facility that did not believe in Suboxone and they, they insisted that I was addicted to something else. And I, I gotta tell you, I actually happened to disagree with that because it is a wonderful drug if it is taken properly and unfortunately most of the doctors out there that are able to prescribe it which by the way all you have to do is take like a a full day course and you become a person that is able to prescribe suboxone uh, it's a money-making machine they do not take insurance for me, I, I believe the initial fee was $500 just to see somebody, and then it cost me $150 a week for a period of a month. Then I went to two weeks, $150. Then I went to three weeks, $150. And finally, uh, they allowed me to see somebody for a, uh, a, one time a month. And each time, they would only give you, you know, seven strips, 14 strips, depending on when you would go to the doctor. So you can imagine thousands of dollars just to feed this Suboxone habit that I had now formed uh, because I found, I found it impossible, or at least I was scared to death to come off it again. So what did I do? I made it worse. And I stayed on and on and on, but ultimately because I had stashed so much away, I was able to go through this tapering process in which I, and I've explained it before in the past, and I probably explained it in Suboxone 101 on how I planned on doing it. It was essentially just cutting a little bit every 8 to 16 days. And I, when I mean a little bit, I mean it, it took me months to get down to things. Let's put it this way. At one time in my life, an 8 milligram strip, I was breaking in half, taking twice a day. And I got to a point where I weaned off it. Uh, that I was using that same 8 milligram strip and I was probably able to break it into 32 pieces, <laughs> which is a lot of pieces. That's how little of a dose. It literally was the size of a period mark in a sentence that you see typed on a computer screen. What's amazing is what this drug does to a person and how addictive it is, very similar to that of heroin and Oxycontin and Vicodins. And while it's not technically abusing those drugs and it allows you to live a productive life, you're still relying on something. And what's amazing to me is not how wonderful the drug can be if it's administered correctly and taken in the, in the proper way. And I'll get into that in a second. What's amazing to me is the withdrawal is so similar to that of heroin and opiates, it's astonishing. 
And to me, what makes it even worse, keep this in mind, when you, take, when you are a heroin addict and you go through withdrawals, you have those initial withdrawal symptoms in which you will um, get very, very sick, almost like you have the flu times a thousand, vomiting, diarrhea, um, chills, fevers. You know, imagine the flu. Imagine the flu a hundred times worse. Sick, 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 and knowing in your head that the only thing that would help right now would to be just shoot up again. In my situation, the only thing that would help me would be crushing up a, an Oxycontin pill or a Percocet or any kind of pill that was in that family and uh, making it into a fine powder and snorting it up my nose um, hundreds of times a day to keep that high going and, and stop myself from getting physically sick. Well, when you withdraw from Suboxone, you get physically sick as well and mentally sick. Last time, I suffered from depression for 106 days total, and then things got better, but all the symptoms finally started to go away around 188, 188 days. What makes Suboxone so difficult to withdraw from is while the intensity of those acute symptoms that I described, the vomiting, the diarrhea, the stomach pains, the body aches, the headaches, the fevers, the anxiety, the, all those things that last about three to five days and then kind of end, and the only thing you have to worry about moving forward is the cravings that you have, which ultimately a lot of times leads into a relapse, Suboxone, obviously, is a very long, drawn-out process in which the severity of the symptoms, while they may not be as intense, they are still there, and they are still bad, and they seem to go on forever. So here is what it comes down to. For those of you who are um, battling an addiction right now and are thinking about getting involved with Suboxone or currently on Suboxone, here is my advice to you and something that doctors will never ever tell you because they will start you on the highest dose possible. Keep in mind that you want to start with the lowest dose possible that gets you through your withdrawals and keeps the cravings at bay. And you also want to be on Suboxone for the shortest period of time possible, preferably no more than six months, if you ask me. And even that's pushing it. I would like people within three months to start their treatment right away, take your Suboxone, get your drug and alcohol and, and substance abuse treatment, get into a program, get into your NA and AA meetings and start the process and get off that Suboxone at the lowest dose possible as quickly as you can because the half-life is incredible. It, it's amazing because you stop taking your Suboxone no matter what dose you're at and you actually don't feel withdrawals until about 72 hours later because it's still in your body. And the half-life is gigantic, tremendous. Uh, and, and what's more interesting is, is unfortunately the longer you're on it, the longer that you are on it, the longer it builds up in your system and the worse the withdrawal will be. So could you only imagine three years being on this drug? And again, last time around it was three years, this time around it was three years. And it's interesting how both times around three years I felt like I needed to get off it. So here we are 
And Mr. Bipolar Joe is officially off Suboxone. And I will tell you this. I apologize, everybody. I had a phone call, and I put you on pause. And you probably can't even notice that. Uh, and I kind of lost my train of thought. But what I did remember was that we were talking about three years coming off and how interesting it is that after a period of three years, I said it was time to call it quits. But here I am. Mr. Joe is now off, and I uh, had stopped. We are now at Friday. I stopped my Suboxone on Saturday. There was what you call a rescue dose 24 hours later. Then you uh, go two days without taking it, and you take another little rescue dose, and then you're, uh, the, the thought process is you try to go three days, which I am in the midst of the three-day um, stoppage, which would allow me to take a rescue do dose as of Sunday, and then you call it quits. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, I'm not taking my rescue dose Sunday. And that's it. It's out. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I cannot even imagine putting this stuff back into my body and dealing with any of these symptoms for any longer. Um, 72 hours, I believe I just mentioned that. That's when it's supposed to start kicking in, and my God did it. The side effects. Well, of course, they have not been as intense as the last time because I, I jumped off my dosage at a much higher uh, milligram, let's say milligrams, last time, so it wasn't as bad this time, but if I could only tell you, uh, about 72 hours before I took my second dose, that second emergency dose, so I was off for a day, Monday came, I kind of felt all right, you know, I kind of felt all right, Sunday, um, you know, it seemed like I was getting through, and then uh, right before that uh, 48-hour period, my energy level, uh, there is no words to describe how low my energy was. I could not move. I could not move my body. I might have even re reported on this last time. It, it got incredibly worse. Um, I actually had to mow my lawn in this state. And I have to tell you, it was the hardest thing I think I've ever done in my life. And I know that sounds like I'm exaggerating. And I could imagine I've said that many times before about things that I've gone through. But it was one of the most physically painful things that I have ever done in my life. And for those of you who have come off any kind of a, of a drug such as heroin or Vicodin or anything like that where you've had an addiction. And quite honestly, you could even throw uh, benzos in there as well because there is very difficult to come off of as well. And you could have a lot of the similar side effects that are uh, caused by Suboxone with the Clonopins and the Xanax if you don't wean properly. And as a matter of fact, what's dangerous about them is you are at risk of seizures if you stop suddenly. So very important that you wean off in the correct way when you are coming off a of benzo. But my energy was actually just horrifying. And the day after I had that really bad energy, I, um, I said to myself throughout it all, I said, you know what? It's one thing that I can't move, but here's the good thing. I don't feel depressed like I did last time. Last time I was suicidal. Last time, Mr. Joe used to drive into a dead end in his neighborhood, and I would contemplate ways in which I could kill myself. And I would sit in, in my car, 
and I would cry and cry and cry. And I would ask God to take my life, and I would figure out ways that I could go about it to make everything be okay for my children because I was such a horrible father and I didn't want them to see me in the way that they were seeing me and I couldn't function. And what's interesting is I actually went for a job interview, ended up getting the job and I'm still at that place today. And I was on day six of my withdrawal when I went for the interview and then I was called for two more. And believe me when I tell you, it never got any better. It got worse as the withdrawals went on. So each interview that I went for, I was worse than the last time. I even started my job. It was actually March 12th, I believe was the date. that I was Some, some date in March, uh, many, many years ago, seven years ago. And the withdrawals were so bad. I remember my first encounter with my boss and not hearing a single thing that she said because my... my um, my concentration was so bad. I would cry every day on the way into work. I would cry every day on the way home from work. It was an absolute nightmare. I was still seeking counseling, group counseling. That would help. Symptoms would get a little bit better at night, but I, I basically slept for two hours a night. Um, and that's how everything worked until I finally jumped on what we call Wellbutrin. And, and things then slowly started to get better. And by one, 188 days, I started to feel normal again. So back to now, I was grateful that I was not suicidal. But I will say this, that day after that energy, the mowing the lawn night, that low energy, I woke up and I felt like I had to cry. I was not about to take any chances. I said, there is no way I am taking this chance. And I, I talked to my psychiatrist, and I went up in my Wellbutrin. We went from 300 to 450. And I am glad that I did because it has actually started to help. My sleep patterns are not great. Um, there's actually a little bit of mania that has set in. Anxiety and mania. I've been up every night at 1.30. The good news is, last time around, I would sleep between one and three hours a night. That was what Suboxone would do to me, the withdrawal. One to three hours. And I would go to work. And I would come home. I would be an anxious mess. Things would get a little better before bedtime. I'd actually be able to fall asleep. And then within one to three hours, I was up all night couldn't sleep. And I'd go, get up, go to work, um, sit in a shower usually and cry. Now the sleep patterns are nowhere near that right now, but I am, I find myself waking up at 1.30 every night. Um, and I have to tell you, I've had to take Clonopin the last two nights uh, in order for me to fall back asleep. Now last night I woke up at 1.30 and just so everybody knows, I took a Clonopin, but I, until four o'clock in the morning I was up. Not only was I up, <laughs> I was out of my mind. My air conditioning in my room, brand new air conditioning, which really has me upset because the unit seems to be not working again. And I have the company coming out again to look at it. We're out of the year warranty. And I said, no way, no how is this happening. Where I'm, They want hundreds of dollars to come look at it. I already, I already spent $600 on the unit. I am not paying hundreds of dollars. So that's something I'm working on now. It seems like I was able to get uh, waive all those fees, but I woke up and you know the, I heard a little crackling sound in the air conditioner. So before I know it, I'm 
I'm, I'm, I'm playing with the remote. I'm checking the condenser, turning it on and off, seeing how long it stays on, how long it stays off, opening the filter, looking in the filter, looking at the condensers, looking at all the, um, uh, to the point where I went in the backyard and I got a ladder. 3.30 in the morning and I climbed the ladder and I looked inside. Uh, th- these are the things that I did. So somehow, way, I was actually able to get back to bed at 3.30. And again, the big difference here is I would have never been able to go to sleep last time around. I also would have not been able to do what I did last night or early this morning. I would have just, um, more or less, and I'm being serious when I say this, just lay and shake. Because <laughs> that's what I did. Lay, shake, and cry and think with racing thoughts. Whereas this time around, at least I had a little bit of energy and I did something. And I mean, maybe it helped and it got me tired and I went back to sleep for a couple hours. So uh, maybe it's the Wellbutrin, it's kicking in a little bit of mania, um, you know, as I adjust to this dose. Some other things that may not seem like a big deal to everybody out there, sneezing, yawning, nonstop all day. Mr. Joe is not a yawner. Um, I'm able to do lots of things, trainings, work with children with autism, work with disabilities all day long, provide all different kinds of seminars, speak to crowds, um, train in physical restraints, I do all these things. So I'm, I'm active, I'm moving. I'll tell you, I must look like I'm tired because I yawn, or I've been yawning probably close to 40 times a day. I don't know why it is, I don't know what happens, but you can't help yourself from yawning. It's part of the withdrawal, at least for me. And sneezing, sneezing all day long. At least I could play that one off. Hey, I got allergies. Sneezing, I mean, uncontrollable sneezing. That actually seemed to have gotten better. I only sneezed about four times today, which is not bad at all. Um, but the last couple of days, it's been, been crazy. Body aches and pains, oh my goodness, especially a headache. Now, again, it could be relatable to the increase in Wellbutrin. It's very possible. But I got to tell you, it is a nightmare, these aches and pains and these headaches. I will tell you this, though. The headaches are actually waking me up out of my sleep, and nothing is helping. Tylenol, Advil, nothing. And, and worst of all, and I reported a little bit about this on the last podcast, is uh, my stomach. The stomach... Guys, think about this. The last time around, for six long months, I've had bathroom issues. It's important for you to know the same receptors that opiates work on in the brain are actually in the digestive system. So when you're on opiates, when you're on Vicodins, when you're on Oxycontin, Percocet, Suboxone, heroin, at least for me, I was like an every three day, I would have a bowel movement, and usually constipation. When I took Wellbutrin, it got even worse. Um, but it would, you know, once a day, every two to three days, you go to the bathroom, and that would be your, your plan. And once you come off, well, you, your stomach goes a little crazy. And last time around, it took me six months for my stomach to somewhat regulate into God. The God's honest truth is it actually never did because when I started the Suboxone again three years after quitting the first time, I remember saying, well, you know what? At least my stomach issues issues will be gone again. So I know there are definitely some underlying issues that go on with me considering the fact that Junior has Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. 
But nevertheless, it wouldn't matter whether I do or do not have stomach issues. This Suboxone has destroyed me. And just to give you an idea, because I have been counting, yesterday I used the bathroom 15 times. 15 times I had bowel movements. Not diarrhea, which is interesting. Just constant bowel movements. Not a lot, but bowel movements. And it gets to the point where, you know, it comes on, you can't hold it. Now, the other thing that's been happening is heartburn. I mean, unbearable heartburn. I've never had heartburn in my life. So basically all day, every day, up until now, and I'm dealing with it right now, you have a tightness, bloatedness feeling in your stomach, um, heartburn, and a feeling like you always got to go to the bathroom. A lot of times you can't. And then when it comes on, my God, does it come on and you can't hold it. So it's only been twice today. And in Mr. Joe's time, it's 1230 in the afternoon right now. So since I've been up, I've been up since about five and it's only been twice. So let's knock on wood and hope that Maybe, maybe some things are going to get better. Maybe, just maybe, this little tiny amount that I have weaned down to, maybe, because I did go through a heck of a lot of withdrawal symptoms as I weaned down. There were times where I would cut the dose and I would be miserable for three, four days. So maybe it was just a collective period of time in which all those days, all those times when I would cut down and I would be miserable for four days... And then I'd feel better once I stabilized. I'd wait eight days or 16 days, depending on how I felt. I'd cut it again. I'd be miserable two, three days, four days. And then I'd be better again. Maybe, just maybe, and this is wishful thinking, all those days of misery broken up into several months of withdrawing and weaning down on this Suboxone, maybe it's, it's an accumulative amount of what I would have felt how did I have come off a higher amount this time around? Meaning, add up all those miserable days, and maybe it's, as, as it's, it's the number of days that I've eliminated from my withdrawal. I'm hoping, because i got to tell you, it's not as bad as I, I, certainly not as bad as the first time around. So, it, it, for those of you who are on Suboxone, who might be thinking about coming off Suboxone, it can be done. It can be done, and it could be done with, I don't want to say minimal discomfort, but it could be done with less discomfort. And it's certainly bearable, and it can certainly be done. And that's the good news. The, the, other, the other part of this, and I want everybody to really zone in here and take a listen to this, because this has nothing to do with Suboxone. I have to keep myself in check. I have to hope. I have to hope and pray that because I am on the correct medications for my bipolar disorder, that the cravings for drugs do not return. Because my friends who are listening to my podcast right now, my friends, my dear friends, Mr. Joe is an alcoholic and a drug addict. I will always be one. I will always um, think about drugs at one point or another. And when I say that, I don't mean every day, but every once in a while, it'll pop into my head. And it's interesting. I'm going to say it like this. I was able to go back to the gym. Now, it's been very inconsistent. I've been back for about two weeks. I think I only went three or four times. Whatever. I worked out my entire life. I, like I told everybody, I was on steroids for many, many years. Uh, it feels great to be back. 
um, just getting back into it. And what's amazing is when I thought about things, I said, wow. I said, because I've worked out for so long of my life, it doesn't matter that I haven't been here in three and a half years. I feel like it was just yesterday because you're so used to something and so accustomed to doing it. It didn't matter that it was three and a half years. The only thing that was different was my strength, obviously. You have to build back up your endurance and your strength. So that's a little bit discouraging, but it's to be expected after three and a half years. But my God, you know, the movements, the, the feeling, the exercises, it was like I never left. And the only thing that I could compare that to would be taking drugs. Because if I was to snort something tomorrow, it would be like I just did it yesterday. It would be as easy as cake. Um, you know, because sadly, you know, I do enjoy the gym, but there was a time in my life where I enjoyed drugs. And um, I, it's, I am going to be proactive, and I plan on going to some kind of a meeting. Don't know when, don't know how, don't know where. I will keep you updated on that. I do not have any cravings right now. I plan on letting my medication do its magic or work its magic and remaining on my medication, continuing with my Lamictal, continuing with my Welbutrinol. And by the way, my psychiatrist believed that the Seroquel, and I probably should have mentioned this, was adding to some of my tiredness. And she has discontinued the Seroquel. Uh, I will give you guys some information on next time. She gave me two new medications that she's thinking about trying. One of them is Latuda. I don't know anything about it. The other one starts with a T. It was something I didn't know about. And I know a lot of medication. So when I, when I look at her email, again, I will let you guys know. I believe they're both antipsychotics. I don't know. We'll see. Right now I have to get through this. That's what I have to get through. I have to keep on uh, fighting and battling and, and doing what I have to do to, to um, maintain my sobriety and maintain uh, my mental health. Thank you so much for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. What I want to say to you in closing is if you are living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I ask you to continue to work hard. If you love somebody or you care about somebody with a mental illness, as hard as it may be, do your best to support that person. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness or an addiction, I ask you to continue battling and fighting. And most importantly, soldier on. Thank you for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. You have a great day.